I'm aware that to a large extent, I'm writing about a theatre which no longer exists, or will soon cease to. The theatre constantly remakes itself. Perhaps this book might sow a seed, encourage a few people not to turn the clock back, but to take note of what heights the theatre and acting has from time to time attained, and strive to match it. Put together, the pieces form an account of my relationship over more than fifty years to the theatre, and to a somewhat lesser degree, because I've been rather less involved in it and over a much shorter period, to film. I've arranged the pieces, not in chronological order of composition, but as their subjects came up in my life. So I suppose they amount to a sort of alternative autobiography, or at the very least, a growing narrative of my theatrical preoccupations. I've written about my career as such in being an actor and shooting the actor. Here I write about my passions, my concerns, and my dreams. Theatre has been at the centre of my life for four decades, so to that extent, this book is the story of my life. Learning Part One My background was, I suppose, theatrical, but in the unimaginable past, and swathed in myth. My Danish great-grandfather, Jules Guise, had been first a clown, then a ringmaster, then a theatrical agent. His star clients were a fourteen-strong troop of midgets called Dr. Zaynard's Lilliputians. His French wife, Thérèse, whom he met when she was riding bareback in the circus of which he was ringmaster, came from a long and distinguished line of circus equestrians. Her grandfather had opened a hippodrome in St. Petersburg, and when he left, the Tsar, who had grown fond of him, gave him, as a farewell present, Napoleon's horse, splendid, which he then showed off in the capital cities of Europe for the rest of his life. Jules and Thérèse had a son, also Jules, whose wife, my maternal grandmother, was a gifted singer and had briefly been a chorus girl on tour until she ran away, she told me with characteristic candour, after an unwelcome advance of an amorous nature from one of the other girls. I was seven years old when I received this baffling piece of information. My father's mother, who was French, had memories of the divine Sarah Bernhardt coming to her house in Lyon for tea. Her father was teaching Bernhardt the role of Hamlet. Less sensationally, she'd been friends with Lillian Baylis's box office manager at the Old Vic, Miss Clark. This ancient history was of purely romantic interest to me. We did about as much theatre-going as any normal middle-class family, no more, no less. In other words, we were not really theatre-goers at all. The annual season of Peter Pan of the now-long-demolished Scala Theatre, was more or less de rigueur, however. I wrote this piece about my visit to it for Snowden's Christmas edition of Country Life in 1997. I am standing in a queue in a London street on a cold, dark November night in 1953 with my Uncle Morris and my grandmother. I am four years old and howling with all the considerable power of my infant lungs. My fingers and toes are frozen, and I don't know why we're here, lined up with all these other people. The bright lights on the front of the building are getting closer as the queue shuffles forward. I howl louder and louder, not in the least mollified by assurances that I'll love it when we get inside. We pass through the front doors and into a sort of hallway, and then on into a vast room with rows and rows of seats covered in red velvet. At the end of the room is a huge curtain, with gold tassels and braid in figures of eight down the sides. I'm more upset than ever, only wanting to be back home in familiar suburban Streatham. 
Then music starts, and the lights go out. Terror! The great curtain goes up, and there before me is the inside of a big house filled with beds and children and their nanny, who happens to be a dog. And my jaw drops, and I immediately stop howling. And then a boy in a green costume flies in at the window, looking for his shadow, which turns out to be in a drawer, and a fairy flickers around the stage, and soon all the children fly out of the window as the music surges up, and my eyes open so wide it hurts, and I don't want to go back to Streatham. In fact, I never want to go back to Streatham again. I want to fly out of the window. I want to fight pirates and rescue Indian maidens. I want to clash swords with Captain Hook. I want a twinkling fairy of my own, and I want to do it to the roars of approval and disapproval that well up from the hundreds of children in the theatre that evening. In short, my destiny has been...